Welcome to Managing Marketing, a weekly podcast where we discuss issues and opportunities for marketing, media and advertising with industry thought leaders and practitioners. Today I'm sitting down with Nick Hockley, who's the Chief Executive of the ICC T20 World Cup, and that's for men and women, isn't it? Welcome, Nick. Thank you for having me, Darren. Great to be here. Well, look, uh, it's, it's a fascinating area because sports sponsorship is uh, and especially big event sponsorship is something I think everyone's aware of, but it's actually changed a lot, hasn't it, over the years? I think it has, and I think uh, sports events are becoming bigger. I think that obviously marketers are becoming much more sophisticated, and I think events are really looking to partner increasingly with partners across the board that actually buy into the purpose of what the mission that the people are trying to achieve. So, I mean, I think certainly when we talk about partners with the ICC 20 World Cup, we think very, very broadly. We don't just think about our commercial partners, our, our sponsors and our broadcasters, who are obviously very, very important, but we think about our government partners, our host city partners, the venue, venues now, I mean, the venues in Australia are absolutely magnificent and in many ways, uh, they are fantastic marketing partners as well mm. as event delivery partners. So I think it's, it's thinking really, really broadly around what, what does partnership mean and, and how everyone can get involved. Because it, it is about the contribution of each of these partners leads to, uh, you know, and it, it could be a cliche, but a, you know, the sum is greater than the individual parts, isn't it? That's what you're looking for, I imagine, as chief executive. You're looking for having those partnership relationships that add so that everyone uh, gets rewarded. I think that's right. And I think it, it goes right back to the opportunity in front of be that an event or a hosting country and then looking at what the broader the purpose the really the why are we hosting this major major event and in in the context of the t20 world cups in australia in 2020 we were very fortunate that we'd had our eyes open to the possibilities and what a cricket event can achieve Um, australia and new zealand co-hosted the men's 50 over world cup back in 2015 which was a uh, fantastic event and uh, v- very privileged to be involved in that. But if we think about T20, as you rightly say, we've got the female event, the men's event, uh, and we've also got the format of the game, which has uh, really been cricket's way of bringing in the youngsters. Yeah. Um, so, so, Nick, just uh, for people that are peripheral to cricket, though I can't imagine many people are, are peripheral to uh, cricket, especially in Australia, um, the T20 World Cup is, uh, is the exciting, well, for many people, is the exciting. It's a very sort of exciting visual game, isn't it? And also we've seen a phenomenal growth in women's cricket in this country. So just give us a pricey of what's planned for 2020 as far as the program. Sure. No, well, um, when Australia was awarded the event back in 2014, both the women's and the men's were due to be played at the same time in October and November next year. And we 
had a really good look at other major sporting events around the world, the FIFA Women's World Cup, which took place in Canada in 2015, the Netball World Cup here. And we really felt with that growth that you've mentioned that the Women's T20 World Cup should be played as a major world event in its own right, mm. in its own time slot. So the, the Women's T20 World Cup is being played right around Australia, 10 teams taking part in 23 matches, culminating in the final on Sunday the 8th of March, International Women's Day at the MCG. Fantastic. And yeah. uh, then the men's is later in the year, October, November, 16 teams playing a total of 45 matches um, and again being played all around the country with um, the final in the, in the biggest cricket ground in the world um, uh, in Melbourne. So It is, yeah, Melbourne Cricket, you know, we call it the MCG, but I think most people forget that that stands for Melbourne Cricket Ground. You know, it's, a, it's not quite your humble suburban cricket ground, is it? Oh, it's, um, but I think it's a world-class stadium. It's an incredible stadium, but I think each of the stadiums around the country are bringing their own unique dimension. And uh, I think the new stadium in uh, Perth, Perth Stadium, um, which is now the second biggest cricket venue in the country, in terms of technology and in terms of a T20 venue, mm. um, that's really, there's really nothing like it on the on the planet. So we're we're very excited to really show that off to the world. And the format for those uh, that are not cricket aficionados, the fact that it's called T20 is because? So it's 20 over the side, um, but in simple terms, it's basically taking a game which, as you know, can last five days in its purest test form, cricket, test yep. cricket. Uh, it's playing out in the same length as a football match. So uh, the game lasts three hours and... Games are played in the afternoon, but most of the games are play being played under lights. And it's the form of the game where there's lots of music, fireworks, loads of entertainment. And uh, as I say, you see a result within three, three hours. So it's really the form that appeals to, to the broadest possible demographic. So uh, there would be those, uh, the, you know, the uh, cricket diehards that would say that you know, the format... Uh, is in some way sold out to the television networks, you know, because the shorter format, the music, the uh, the lighting show and all that is really making it a, a TV event or a broadcast event. But in actual fact, it's still very much a live event, isn't it? It's one that you get audiences along really participating in that extravaganza. Absolutely. And I think it's something that cricket's struggled with, but I think it's becoming very much more at ease with itself that there are three formats of the game and every game has its role. You've got the test matches, which are for the, you know, the aficionados. If I was using a wine parlance, it'd be the, the Grange. Yeah. Um, uh, you've got the one day, which is still the, the preeminent format, the 50 over yep. World Cup, where you see, uh, you see a result in a day, but it's, it's long form cricket. Um, and then you've got the T20, which has really come of age this edition. So for the first time in 2020, it will be called a World Cup, a genuine World Cup. Previously, it was called the World T20. And there's some amazing stories. It is, it's the way that non-traditional cricketing countries can play on, on the world stage. So in the women's event, we've got Thailand have just qualified um, for, their first, wow. for their first T20 World Cup, having only taken the sport up 12 years ago. Um, in the men's, Afghanistan have qualified through uh, ahead of Sri Lanka and they're relatively new on the scene, but they've got some incredibly destructive um, and talented and exciting players coming through um, and, a, and, a, and a really good supporter base here, here in Australia. So it's, 
Um, it's serving really two, three main purposes, I'd say. One, it's getting more kids into the game. Mm-hmm. Two, it is the preeminent form of the game uh, for women and girls. And um, thirdly, it's the means by which cricket is breaking outside of its traditional, if you like, Commonwealth um, boundaries to, uh, you know, to be played all around the world. Yeah, it is interesting. And you mentioned before that there's 20 teams... Uh, for the men's and 20 for the women's. There'll be, there'll be 10 for the women, 16, oh, 16 okay. for, for the men's. Okay. I think what's really interesting here in, in Australia, in our, um, you know, our increasingly multicultural um, society, is there's new and growing communities supporting each of the different competing teams living right, right here. And, and rarely do they get an opportunity to really kind of celebrate and show their support for if their country of birth or their, or their parents' country of birth. So in terms of um, celebrating all of those communities and getting them behind their team, that's um, really for, for us is the, the very exciting opportunity. And I say when we started right at the beginning, we, we thought we thought very hard about why are we putting, putting this, this event on and, and we sim- simplified it down to a very, very, very much. It's about bringing major events about bringing people together. But this, if these events in particular, are about bringing generations, mm-hmm. um, because we see little kids with their grandparents, and also bringing bringing cultures together. So I think you'll see that um, certainly through our, our promotion, but also at the event, they're going to be these incredible festivals uh, with all the different cultures coming out and celebrating in, in the way that only they know how. Now, with an event of this size, and as you've mentioned, it's you know be travelling around Australia. I mean, I imagine it was an, it's going to be a logistical, not nightmare, but you know, incredibly complex. But that would also create a lot of opportunities, wouldn't it, for participation? I mean, not just audience participation, but even from your partners that you've uh, you've brought on board for them to to find ways of participating in that event. I think I think absolutely and I think the starting premise is how can we take both the women's event and the men's event as close as possible to the population of Australia and we do that by by two means. One is by playing the matches as far and wide as possible across Australia within the confines of what's logistically possible mm. in terms of the number of the matches and and what that means for the for the players, uh, so the Australian teams in both events, they're, they're not playing a single game in the same city. They're having to travel around and play a, one game on average every two and a half days. So it's a particularly gruelling schedule for all of the competing teams. But what it means is that if you're in a city like, uh, say you're in Perth or Adelaide, you're going to see seven, eight, nine or ten of the best uh, teams all come through uh, your city and your venue uh, during the tournament. So that was the... The, the starting premise. And I think by making it a nationwide event, uh, we make it um, really the, the aim is to kind of really kind of get everyone swept up and, and behind us. But it's, it's, it is very attractive to uh, to partners that it's a national event. Certainly, um, I don't need to tell you about the Australian sporting landscape, but um, historically, the rugby codes have had their own geographies and um, same with footy, obviously, in the southern states. So, um, this is Australia is I suppose uh, cricket is I suppose Australia's national only uh, na- na- tr- yeah. national international international and international support and 
and um, certainly we've really, really pushed very, very hard to make sure we take it as far and wide across Australia. Now, a lot of marketers would look at sporting events and, you know, and, and of entertainment events. There's quite a lot of people out there. There's quite a lot of opportunities for sponsorship dollars. Um, and a lot of times it gets reduced down to things like uh, broadcasting rights or signage rights at stadiums and things like that. But in actual fact, I, um, I believe that you're trying to use this as an opportunity to also extend into the community. Is that right? No, I think, I think that's right. And um, before coming to Australia, I had the great privilege of working on the London Olympic Games uh, and Paralympic Games back in 2012. And the Olympics is a little bit like the Masters and Wimbledon and a few other sporting events in that they don't offer any of those signage rights that you mentioned. It's purely the, opp the opportunity to associate uh, one's brand with the event in their own marketing. And studying events in that context, it does really ask you to think about why and uh, what a particular brand is looking to associate themselves with. As you, as you say, uh, for us, are the, really the two dimensions are, one, advancing the game as a sport for women and girls. And from the very outset, we thought we've got to think really, really, really big. The, 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 moment, the acceleration we're seeing in the, in the development of sport for women and girls is, is really, really well documented. And we have this moment in time in 2020 where we have a World Cup and how can we absolutely maximise that? And uh, we've done that on a number of fronts, but um, certainly we have an opportunity with the final of the women's on International Women's Day. If we fill the MCG, we have an opportunity to set a, a new benchmark for the highest attendance at any sporting event in, in history. And um, if you think back to... You know, Billie Jean King when she was playing in and advocating for um, for fairer balance in between pay for professional women's players she coined the phrase you can't be what you can't see so the notion of a an absolutely packed biggest cricket stadium in the world on International Women's Day celebrating the best players in the world um, we feel can send a very strong message to um, certainly across Australia, but other parts of the cricketing world mm. where um, they're somewhat further behind in terms of um, their gender equality journey and, um, uh, and could be a very popular celebration of, of really the world that we all want to see for our kids in, in years to come. Well, it'll certainly be an amazing showcase. It's interesting though, isn't it, that you know, women have actually played cricket and other sports for a long time, but it's only in relatively recent times that we're seeing uh, broadcast uh, exposure, you know, that uh, the broadcasters are starting to realise that there is an audience uh, there and quite a lucrative audience, mm -hmm. and also getting uh, the general public to come out. I know uh, we're, we're recording, we're having this conversation in North Sydney mm -hmm. and just up the road here, we've had some phenomenal crowds turn out, especially for women's cricket. Yeah. Uh, is that something that do you think is been a plan or is this sort of an idea whose time has come? Oh, I think it's writing what has been effectively a period of discrimination for a long, long, long time. So it's actually only getting back to really what it actually should be. I've got two little girls and um, it's interesting that I was at, at a school visit and presenting on the T20 World Cup to a junior school around the corner and 
and they they don't wear the same gender glasses that that, that we we do and so for them it's you know they look up to the likes of Elise Perry, Alyssa Healy, Ash Gardner, and they just see them as the best cricketers in, in in the world. So, but you're right; it's a really, really exciting time to be involved. And I suppose our responsibility, um, particularly where you've got a one-off major event, is to do absolutely everything we can to leverage this opportunity. Um, I don't know whether you are familiar with the um, the the writings of Mike, Malcolm Gladwell, the Tipping Point, but you know we we are seeing this momentum and um, change happens very very quickly and so how can we how can we be a catalyst to really really accelerate that change and that's that's really fed our thinking throughout the whole project because mm. uh, you mentioned the Olympics of course uh, 2020 is also uh, the next the Olympics will mm. be held uh, during that time uh, I don't think it conflicts with you though does it because it's northern hemisphere summer so uh, you'll be before and after, in a way. So it's between the women's event and the men's event. It's right in the middle. Um, so it's a very, very exciting year of sport. I think um, certainly Japan has really embraced um, these major events. And speaking to a few former colleagues and, and friends who went to Japan for the recent Rugby World Cup, the way the entire country got behind that event was absolutely incredible. If we can achieve that in, for cricket in 2020, it would, be, it would be fantastic. But certainly everyone I've spoken to who went to the, that Rugby World Cup has said, we're going back for the, um, for the Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games because um, the welcome that the Japanese gave and just the, uh, the service and the experience of that um, event was um was apparently apparently absolutely magnificent and um certainly we're looking to the, the amazing event cities across australia to give uh, the same warm welcome to what we hope will be tens and tens of thousands of people coming in for the t20 world cups yeah now i'm wondering from your perspective and and you've been involved in uh, sporting events and and sports sponsorship and the marketing of those events for for a, a, a long time um what do you think, or who do you think is are the marketers, or what approach maybe that marketers take to really getting the best value? Because you know we often hear and and we have marketers come to us and say, "Well, here's a sponsorship deal, and this is what we're going to get, and this is the cost, mm. and is that good value?" Mm. Do you have any advice, or have you seen examples of where marketers are absolutely able to get? great value and not turn it into just a negotiation on cost mm. investment. I mean I think there's a there's a few things. I think firstly thinking really broadly around the partnership. Um, mm -hmm. So not just relying on the sporting property to say okay we get our assets and that's the the investment but running it through the the entire business and that really needs to start with a with a, a fantastic fit. So um, I can, and I think also it's really important that the, the partner, um, the partner play, plays a role. So I'll give you a, an example from, from London where Adidas were, Adidas were the partner. Um, they did all of the, the team kit. They did all of the volunteers uniforms. And very early on, they said, look, we've got, um, you know, athletics, swimming. We want to, we want to branch out and, and reach new people, people that 
might not necessarily be that into sport. And so their association with Stella McCartney, who designed mm-hmm. a lot of the gear, breaking out into a kind of a new audience and taking um, taking the game to that broader audience. They had a very very clear why as to and, um, and a very clear how as to the why. So I think um, I think it it requires both parties to sit down and think what are we trying to achieve? Put their collective brains together. And if, if it works for both parties, not parties, not just one, then um, that's when the haggle over rights fees and all of those things goes away because everyone's got a demonstrable return on investment. It's mm. where you grow a bigger pie so that everyone gets the biggest slice, I guess. Exactly. It's interesting though, isn't it? Because what you're talking about is moving beyond sort of media measures, you know, that, Often uh, it's uh, the conversations you hear around sports sponsorship is, well, what's the broadcast exposure? What's the uh, ticket sales looking like? You know, it, very much a traditional, you know, in quotes, media measure. But what you're talking about is more like brand activation. It's how can we use this property? And again, I'm doing quotes. Mm. Um, uh, how can we use this property strategically to achieve an objective, but also at the same time add value? No, absolutely. And we saw it, uh, another great example, at the last T20 World Cup in the West Indies in 2018, where Uber were a partner. And okay. they got behind a really a campaign which was a lot of the, the male players around the world basically um, really cheering on and saying to their female counterparts playing in the World Cup and um, encouraging people to tell stories about when they've smashed through barriers and um, they've really kind of achieved their goals. And that was, uh, you know, I think a, a very well activated, very well activated campaign um, which, you know, I think certainly um, showed that that their brand uh, it's not just kind of male drivers but female drivers, and yep. that really they're, um, you know, they're they're um, they don't have a they they they're a company that's trying not to have a gender bias in any way, whether it's customers or, or their drivers. And they drivers. demonstrated that through the sponsorship, or, absolutely, or, or highlighted that through the sponsorship. I've got uh, friends that are in uh, music marketing. And they always say they look for the, they call it the money can't buy opportunity. You know, that there are certain things that events like the T20 World Cup can offer that are just n- would never be available otherwise. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you, have you been open to those sorts of approaches from marketers coming to you and going, you know, this is our strategic objective and then working with them to come up with the money can't buy Solution. I mean, I think certainly working. You don't have to name no, no, no. because uh, uh, well, I a lot of those, they'd be confidential at so, this stage. Well, a lot of those discussions are, are currently on ongoing, but certainly in terms of participating in in the event and how brands participate in the event, um, we have uh, there are very very various opportunities that that people can take advantage of. The challenge is always what can be done within the logistical confines mm. of the event. I think where the um, T20 World Cups have gone is very much looking to provide a level of exclusivity. Um, mm. And 
I think what we're increasingly seeing now, you know, we've thought really big in terms of our ambitions for the event. Uh, I should one thing we've recently announced at the final is we knew because it's the T20s, the entertainment format, we absolutely wanted to have a, a world level music act come come and perform, and with a with a strong gender uh, empowerment mm-hmm. focus, and um, what what became very evident through those conversations is we we made our top ten list of the people we wanted, and then we went obviously out to our um, our preferred, and and we're delighted that Katy Perry has agreed to come and, and perform. Um, and it, what was very important for us is she's obviously well one of the most followed pers- people On in, in, the, media, in the universe. Yeah. <laughs> um, but e- equally, um, she she appeals to the demographic very much the demographic that we're looking to target. Mm. But she also uh, people she she talks to a broader demographic and people understand her message. So um, so again, and having done that, that's we're in that. What that what well, that's serving to do, and we had all of our partners came. They were in Sydney two weeks ago, and we from all around the world, um, and it's encouraging them now to think big. Yeah. And actually, what we're trying to achieve, and and what that looks like is in the context of their business. What are we going to do in the context of our worldwide business to celebrate where we are on our own gender equality journey? Um, so, again, not just the marketing team thinking about it, but tying in with people and culture diversity inclusion and then even more so encouraging their clients and their customers to be be thinking about that so um, really I think it all again ties back to the why which is a singular vision a singular purpose and um, if those vision purpose and vision aligned then it's a case of sitting down and go how how big can we think now there's a lot of global sporting events. You know, the Olympics is every four years. Um, there's the Rugby World Cup is not every year. There's the uh, there's the uh, the soccer. You know, the World Cup is it. You know, um, and uh, this World Cup is also every four four years, isn't it? it has been every four, four years. years. The, men, yeah. the women's is every two years. Two years. Okay. So so there's also an argument that because these are in some ways with that four year gap or two year gap that it's very hard to get this sort of consistency. Do you see that there's an opportunity of this being the kickoff for a longer term? Because I have to say, for me, uh, KFC in Australia has absolutely cemented itself. Mm-hmm. You know, this is fried chicken, mm. but it's cemented itself as part of cricket in Australia um, with all their promotions that are part of the game, but are sort of also periphery to it, haven't mm-hmm. they? You know, the buckets on the head, the caps mm. and the things like that. Uh, are we likely to see similar things here with the uh, T20? Not necessarily from KFC, but is this, the, you know, could this be the launch for some of your partners into longer-term relationships? I mean, I think because it's a world event that just happens to be ha- happening in Australia... The, the brands that we have involved tend to be more global brands are looking have been bought they on, sell on, KFC on a in a lot, of city, a lot of countries no, they, um, <laughs> so um, I, I get what you're saying yeah, yeah. It, it, it is a global event isn't it no it, well it, from from that from that perspective mm. it it really is so um, whilst KFC absolutely they've cemented themselves as um, a part of part, part of the big bash and and, and cricket I think um 
more broad, the same could be said of, of a number of the, the global partners at, 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 a, at a global level. But to, to answer, answer your question about you know, the gap, I think really what delivers the eyeballs on these events is, is context and mm -hmm. that this is the one that all the players want to win. Yeah. And um, certainly for a major world event happening in Australia, you know, we talk very much that this is the... Uh, certainly Australia's never hosted the T20 World Cups before. We very much talk about this being like a home Olympics. Um, and so from, from that perspective, we, um, we've, we have had a number of more Australian-based brands wanting to get involved. The challenge always becomes that the ICC are selling them on a global basis. And so it's, it's, yeah. it's whether we can, we can get there. But there's certainly some very exciting... Um, partnerships in the wings and some very very exciting marketing plans that I can't share with you no, today no. but I but I um, but I look forward to celebrating with you when they're all made public <laughs> well we uh, we don't have long to wait do we uh, it kicks off the women's kicks off did you say in March so Friday the uh, 21st of February February yeah. oh even closer cool. yeah. Australia versus India Sydney Olympic Park um, out at Sydney Showground Stadium and we talked about Katy Perry for the final but Headlining before the opening match, we're going to have five fantastic up-and-coming performers, uh, really representative of Australia's culturally diverse um, community, and um, that's going to kick the whole thing off with a with a with a bang. And uh, certainly, I think Australia, the Australian women's teams, are defending champions, and uh, most would say favourites. But uh, I know know for a fact that India have got really big ambitions um, this time round. So that that's certainly a match that the Aussies are worried about. It, uh, it sounds really exciting. I can imagine that the, uh, the planning and the logistics is... Uh, well, it, you've literally been planning this for five years, haven't you? Um, so we awarded the event five years ago. The planning and earnest has been three years in the making. But I think the, the fan fantastic thing about uh, major events in Australia, the talent across the board in terms of the industry is, is incredible. All of our packages, be that marketing, be that our schools program, um, you know, be that the, the ticketing platform, we've gone out globally with global tenders. And I think with just one exception from all our packages, um, they've been won by Australian-based, predominantly independent companies. And that's before you even start talking about the venues, which are just, just incredible. And mm -hmm. we talked a bit around... Uh, the Melbourne Cricket Round, but I think the fact that the venues are run as footy venues in the winter and then also major conference facilities just means the the infrastructure but also the expertise and the experience is, is phenomenal. Um, and that's uh, and we've also had incredible support from government at every level. So at a federal level, Tourism Australia have run their own campaign around the T20 World Cup, which is they haven't run a specific event campaign at that level since the Sydney Olympics. And uh, we've had phenomenal support from all of the different state and territory governments as well. So, um, so in many ways, um, yeah. At this point, out we're about seventy days out from the tournament. It's just really humbling to see all of these incredible agencies and partners doing incredible work. And uh, really, the role of the organising committee is to is the the conductor of the orchestra. But it's there's some phenomenal musicians out there doing incredible work. They're going to bring it all to life. This, uh, this means 2020 is uh, shaping up to being a, uh, 
a year of sport. I mean, if uh, there's anyone that's not interested in sport, they're going to really struggle to avoid it. We've got uh, two big uh, you know, T20 events. We've got the Olympics, along with all of the other sport that runs throughout the year. Uh, you know, we'll still have the rugby and the uh, and the uh, AFL and and the soccer or association football uh, running throughout the year as well. It's going to be a very busy year. Well, what I'd say if you if we don't if you don't like sport, um, that doesn't mean you can't come and enjoy the T Twenty World Cup. So it's going to be a celebration of community, of culture, music, dance, and um, so um, come and have a look. It's three hours, a three, an investment of three hours in your time, not five days of your time. And who knows, you might you might quite enjoy the game as well. Now, Nick, we really appreciate you making time because I can imagine your schedule is, uh, you know, with uh, so few days left before the kickoff, your uh, schedule must be incredibly busy. So thank you for uh, coming and having a chat. Brilliant. Darren, no, thank you very much. Great talking to you. And uh, one last question. Uh, who's going to win the World Cup? Ooh.